Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. everybody to the FitPro podcast. My name is Jane, I'm with FitPro and today I have the absolute pleasure of introducing you to Kelly Roberts. So Kelly, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thanks Jane, I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, well, I've, uh, the reason that we've actually pulled this podcast together is because I was recently reviewing Kelly's book which she has recently published called A Professional's Guide to Small Group Personal Training. And I have to say, it is one of the best texts I've ever read in that it was so obvious that it was written by a person who's lived and breathed this. It's, um, it's practical, it's applicable, it's articulate. It's, it's a really great book. So Kelly, congratulations. And, and it was a delight to, to review it, actually. It's a great book. Great oh, book. thank you so much. It, you know, writing a textbook is a lot of work. It, it's certainly not an easy endeavour and it was very time consuming and I wrote that book while I was still doing my small group training, doing my personal training, teaching, traveling. <laughs> the, the, the years before <laughs> the recent yeah, times, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's write it during the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's, hopefully there's there's not going to be a second sequel because of that. Um, so, um, but but doing the review on the book made prompted me to think, you know, small group personal training is such a, a, a fantastic offering. And in, a, in days like this, where group fitness instructors and personal training, trainers are looking to um, extend their offering, reach new markets, I thought this is a great opportunity to talk about how do you become an amazing small group personal trainer. So before we dive into the questions, let me tell you a little bit about Kelly. Now, many of you will know Kelly um, Kelly's presented at our international events in the past um, and is certainly well known on the international circuit. So you may well know Kelly's name. Um, but Kelly's a fellow Australian, as you may pick up, which is fantastic. I'm very proud of that. Um, has been in the industry for over 35 years and has been residing in California for the last 30. Now, Kelly has many certifications and qualifications to her name, but some of the key things that I really wanted to let you know um, is some of the awards that Kelly um, has received, which is true recognition of what she has given to the fitness industry. So in 2003, she was named the IDEA International Fitness Instructor of the Year. In 2005, Kelly was awarded the Best Female Presenter. 2008, she received the Lifetime Achievement Oboe Award. And in 2007, she was inducted into the National Fitness Hall of Fame. So, I mean, here she is. She's amazing. And um, Kelly, welcome to our podcast. And I'm excited to have you here. Well, I'm, I'm honoured to be with you. <laughs> so let's, let's just dive in. Um, in your book, A Professional's Guide to Small Group Personal Training, you refer to small group personal training as being a hybrid of group exercise and PT. These are two very different disciplines and require very different skill sets. So what do you believe are the attributes of a successful small group training instructor? Well, it is a hybrid. You need to have personal training skills because it's different than teaching a regular group exercise class. You're not getting up in front of 40 people 
and mm. you know having that same kind of energy that you would give a class yeah. at the same time you need the rapport of a personal trainer because you're dealing with a small group my small group training uh, classes have anything between three and six people in them and your energy is much more like a personal trainer you're developing rapport with each person and you're, you're um, working with each person individually. When you're working in a small group, you'll be giving individual modifications for each person uh, because you, you, wanna, you have to have the skill to accommodate people very specifically for their needs. So that's different. You know, in group exercise, you teach a multi-level class, and mm -hmm. you know, hopefully. And in personal training, you do a one-on-one -on -one prescription for exercise that's suitable for that person's need. In small group training, there's you have to be able to modify and uh, personalize an exercise on the spot. For example, yeah. one of my one of the people in my small group is a cancer survivor, and she had all of the all of her adductors on one side of her body removed and she has some lymphedema on that side because she had really severe cancer yeah. and so what she can do is very different than what the rest of the class can do yeah. i can't base the class around her needs i oh. base the class around the median but at the same time i have to be able to specifically modify exercises for her at the same time i've got someone else in the group who has back problems i've got someone else in the group who's got really tight shoulders and needs you know some modifications for shoulder movements so you you have to have the skills of a personal trainer the appeal and the charisma of a group exercise instructor but at the same time, you also need that rapport that a personal trainer would have one-on-one -on -one with a client. So it really is a hybrid. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And what sort of what sort of um, personality traits? Because so much of this is about the it is personal training at the end of the day. So across Group X, across personal training, what sort of personality traits do you see in the most successful small group um, personal training instructors? Well, I think, you know, you, how can you describe someone who's motivating? You know, I think someone who's yeah. motivating is someone who's motivated themselves. They're, True. they're, they're a motivated person. And, and so, you know, that, that, that being able to express that motivation to your group is, is important. But it's, you know, in group exercise, it's more about charisma. Yeah. You need that charisma and that appeal and that big energy whereas you need it's hard to say it's a smaller energy it's it's yep. more personalized it's more compassionate it's more those that report is built on that compassion and warmth and genuineness where you know sometimes a group exercise instructor can be very popular and they don't have those traits at all sure <laughs> they're, yeah. they're on yeah. display they're really good showmen yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, and a, a showman won't necessarily be good at small group training and they certainly won't be good at personal training yeah so that kind of leads me into what would have been my next question sort of take looking at um both group x and a pt that did want to move into a small group training offering 
what specifically within those skills, like for example, if I was a, a group fitness instructor and I wanted to move into this, what, what should I look at upskilling in to sort of expand you know, my skill set and likewise for a PT? Okay, well, there are two different, there really are two different sets of skills. I think the first thing, if you're a group exercise instructor, is you have to know how to, uh, to do some fitness assessments. Mm. Because I think, I, I really believe a fitness assessment, doing some kind of assessment is really important, whether that's a static movement screen or a, or a static postural screen, I beg your pardon, or a movement screen of some sort, or just some basic assessments so that you can do a program that's a little more personalized for your people. And that sets you apart from a regular group exercise class. As a personal trainer, you, you know, a lot of personal trainers I know are real introverts. They're more introverted. Mm. You have to find the extrovert in your personality yeah. to be a little bit more out there, you know. Um, and have you ever had an experience where you've, say, coached a personal trainer that needs to explore that side of their personality, like needs to come out of themselves a little bit more? Um, have you ever been in that situation and where you've, you've sort of asked somebody to do that and how have you gone about it and what, what, how have you sort of got that out of them? Well, I think you have to find, give them some actions, some, something that's actionable. I, I think otherwise it's just, you know, you can't change someone's personality. Sure, sure, yeah. So if you give them some actions on group motivation, it can definitely help. It can definitely help. Yeah. So things like um, teaching them how to motivate in a group, how to... Uh, set people up into some teamwork so that you have people partnering and working together. So you actually are using the group to help yeah. motivate themselves. Yeah. And the energy, yeah. And the energy of a group. So learning how to work with group energy specifically can be very helpful to a personal trainer because that's the thing that they're really lacking in experience. Yeah. They're used to being that one-on-one. -on -one and, and, a, and a good personal trainer tends to be a bit quieter, a little bit more, you know, they have an inside voice. They don't just speak yeah. in an outside voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. So you so, have to find your outside voice a little bit, you know. They do, they do. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the Group X instructor, the PT, they've decided that this is an area that they'd like to go into, apart from reading your book and learning everything they need to know. Um, how do they start to sort of build their client base? Where, where do you start with building your small group training business per se? Um, I, I really believe retention and referrals are the best place to start. I have, I have built my business around retention and referrals. I've got clients I've been training for the last 14 years. I, I've got clients that I'm working with who have been referred to me by other clients and you know marketing is very expensive and trying to get a new client is a lot more expensive than it is to get a referral or retain the client that you already have so service is the key providing excellent service and a, and a top rated experience for the client with you each time they train with you will guarantee that you get referrals also 
For example, I'm certified through the Functional Aging Institute. So just yesterday, I got a referral through them. I get referrals through IDEA. I get so associating yourself with, especially I work with a lot of active aging. So a lot of my clients are, are elderly and have some very special needs. So the first thing is you want to make sure that you're qualified to teach in the area that you want to work in. So if you are working with the elderly, get up to speed in working with that population. If you want to work with teenagers, get up to speed in working with that, you know, upskill so that you're, so that, you know, when, when you're ready to start training with the, the clients, you have the skills set, read, you know, in place. Yeah. You're not trying to upskill as you train. And, yeah. And would you, would you say that specialising um, is, a, is a, a stronger opportunity than sort of going mainstream? Definitely. I really believe that specialising is the way to go because when you specialise, you're able to market, you, you, you're able to market to a very specific group yeah. of people. So, and then you get referrals along those lines yeah. too. You know, if you're working with someone's mother, that person refers you to a friend of theirs. They're of a similar age. That person then refers you to someone else's daughter who refers you to someone else's parent. So for active aging, especially, you really want to make sure you're upskilled and specializing because then your message is very consistent. And it's really, you in a small group, you really can't work with people of varied, not skills, but varied goals. Yeah. So you, you want to specialize so that you're working with people who have the same goals. So if it's weight loss, you know, if yeah. weight loss is your specialty, which is always super popular, um, then you've got a consistent message. You'll have a consistent set of goals in, in each of your groups. So I think it's, it, it is really important to specialize because then you, you can build on your skills yeah. and market to the same group of people. Your marketing message is very clear. And you're going to have like-minded people, as you say, with the same goals in the group and, and you yeah. would hope that they would then motivate each other as they see sort of each other's success. So even, even within specializations, though, you're going to have, um, you know, let's say it is weight loss, you're still going to have people coming with very different levels of ability. So, so do you, try, I mean, once you've built your business and you have a lot of clients, I guess you can sort of start to um, group people together in particular levels. But until you get to that point, I imagine you just have to co cope with and cater for different levels and abilities within each session. So what is, without going into massive detail, but I mean, how do you, how do you prioritize that? How do you work around that? I think this is where having the skill set of multi-level teaching is really helpful. Yeah. And where group exercise instructors do really well in small group yeah. training because they're used to being able to spot in the moment, quickly switch around an exercise to be yeah. suitable for someone else. You know, two of the people in my group have bad knees. One of them has a bad back. 
one of them is a cancer survivor. <laughs> so yeah. one of them has a bad foot. So, <laughs> um, you know, you have to really be able to think on your feet and in the moment say, put your feet on the floor, uh, keep your knees soft. Um, yeah. Let's do that one arm at a time. So yeah. you, you have to be able to know how to work with different bodies and in the moment, in that very moment, change things around so that it's appropriate for them. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so working within the team. Um, I mean, obviously, people come back. Um, they they become part of a team. They feel like they're part of a team. So, how do you manage that process? Because uh, it certainly must be motivating and and a retention tool if people are happy within that team. But but how do you, as sort of the manager of that group, manage that process so that you do keep them motivated? You do keep them coming back. You do keep them um also communicating well with each other and just managing personalities and you know one person's not annoying another person you know that sort of how do you manage all of that well for a start there's a couple of different things you can do my my group is on a, a group text and they keep each other accountable through the text and okay. so i've got up to six people who come to the group i have a minimum i i i get a minimum amount of paid no matter who's there. So if I have two people or if no one can show up except for one person, I get the same amount of money. Yeah. And so I get X amount of, I get $25 a head. So when I've got six people, 120, you know, $150, which is great. Um, or if I've just got the three people, it's 75. Or if I've got one person, I charge 80 for a private so it's scalable it's affordable for them unless they end up doing a private in which case they get all my yeah. attention which is so no matter what it's a win-win so financially it's a win-win now the group text they keep it keeps them motivated and also i allow them some socialization because they enjoy seeing each other they're friends they've become really good friends in my group Mm -hmm. So when we're warming up, I allow them to chat. Throughout the class, they chat back and forwards. And I think that allowing them that socialization keeps it friendly and enjoyable for them. And they keep each other accountable because there's a certain level of um, competitiveness among them. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think it's, you know, it doesn't have to be like keeping them quiet so they can concentrate. There's a certain amount of socialization that I think is really enjoyable for them because they, they're with their friends. They, um, and often that's how small group training works. You know, you'll get friends referring friends. Oh, yeah. well, I've got a friend. Can they join yes. your group? And for example, my mum used to do a small group training class in the 90s in Australia. And the name of the class was called Healthy Bones. And the instructor was targeting postmenopausal women. And they met at my mum's house because she had this, a lot of space. They, and they brought their own equipment and they bought body pump equipment, but they did, they did something they called pump. It wasn't body pump. They did something that was similar to pump, but working with heavy weights. And on Thursday, they bought their own stability ball and dumbbells. So every person supplied their own equipment 
they just needed a space to train. One of the people supplied the place and it was all friends. Yeah. And it, that group lasted for 20 years. Yeah. Another went yeah. to that group. Yeah. 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, they would have, they would have all noticed the benefits. It's all, it would almost be the fear of missing out. Like you wouldn't want to not go because your friends are getting the benefits and they're all catching up and, you know, yeah. you're missing out on that social opportunity, but also the, the experience. Yeah. So it, it makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, you're, you, you're obviously very established and, you know, are in a position where, you know, you can make certain demands and, and people are going to respond to that because they want to be in your small group training session. But for somebody maybe that's starting out, you know, is there, is there a tip that you would maybe share with them about how they, how they manage that process of, you know, expecting a, a minimum, a minimal amount, like when you sign up, you know, you have to commit to this or whether you allow more flexibility. I mean, how do you make that work financially if you're starting out and obviously you're not going to have a, a, you know, a large client base right from the get-go? Um, I think the first thing I would say is don't undercharge. Mm. You know, set a minimum that you expect to get paid for that hour yeah. and then a sliding scale based on that. I think the, the mistake that a new trainer can make is that they undercharge. And then when people, people value pay, you know, if you're providing a great service, if your class is really good, it's a great experience, people are really getting good physical, emotional and um, social benefits from it, they're going to be willing to pay. Yeah. So don't undercharge. Don't you know, charge what you're worth. What is your hour worth? And that has to be based on the environment that you're in. You know, uh, I live in Pasadena and Pasadena is a wealthy area and people, I go, my, my small group training is in people's homes. So they're literally groups of friends. Yeah. Um, I was referred to them through my group exercise classes and they actually happened when the gym closed. Okay. The gym I was teaching at closed and a few of those women who were taking my class then referred me to other friends of theirs and I started some other small groups. Yeah. Um, so the ones I'm working with now are all from uh, 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 in people's homes. Yeah. So it, it doesn't cost me anything to rent space. Um, I'm working with people who are friends with each other. Mm. And so it, I think you really have to be providing a good service because if you provide a good service, your workout is great. It's a great experience. People are enjoying it. The socialization, mm. people are willing to pay for that, but it has to be based on what's going in your, in your setting, in your, in your area. So if you're in yeah. a, an area that ha is affluent, then you can afford to charge yeah. a little bit more. Find out what the going rate is for personal training and then split that up. Yeah, it's, which, is a, which, is, which is a great starting point. And, you know, in today's world uh, and, you know, the general public are so much more aware of their health now. 
that you know be by being able to join to join a small group training session is affordable so i mean this is a great opportunity now for both group fitness instructors who so many have not been able to go back to their classes and even personal trainers who you know have struggled because you know as we were talking about prior to recording this session how so many people have now you know got their own equipment doing their own thing you know so we have to be able to just make other offerings that are affordable um, but come with all the other things like social as well. So Kelly, thank you so much, so, so much for your time today. Um, a wealth of knowledge. Now, before, before I wrap up, is there anything that, you know, you feel is a golden nugget that you, that you need to add or any little words of advice for that I, you know, I haven't covered today? No, Jen, I think we've covered everything, but I would say now is a great time. A lot of people haven't gone back to the gym. They don't feel safe in groups, group exercise, is kind of a difficult situation to negotiate mm -hmm. right now, especially here, we're in masks in California. People don't that. want to go back to the gym because they don't want to wear a mask. Sure. Who wants to work out in a mask? Exactly. Whereas, you know, in-home training, it doesn't cost you anything. You're not negotiating space with other trainers. You need, you know, so I'm, I'm working in-home. One, my, my, one of my clients has a beautiful gym. We spread out into her yard and uh, we knew she's got a lot of equipment so I spread out the space kind of indoors outdoors and it's become a, a, a really good business for me yeah um, and and it supplements my personal training and right now I'm I'm really not back in the gym because yeah. like one of the gyms I, I was working at closed it didn't yeah. open we, we, we went virtual yeah yeah which is you know which is a story, so many stories across the world and the same here in the UK as well. So yeah. um, virtual so, training is an opportunity too, you know, yeah, something that's, to into that's because uh, then you don't even need a space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelly, thank you again for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Um, good luck with everything you're doing. Good luck with your book. As I said, I, I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, and I know that we've got some other exciting things planned. We're going to do a webinar um, in a few months as well, and where we'll be able to explore so many more um, aspects around this whole topic. So thanks again. And um, yeah, I look forward to catching up again with you soon. Great, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy the today's podcast and see you next time.